2: Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.divyapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at This is Beyond Confidence and now here's your host Divya
1: Park.
3: Hello listeners, it's Monday evening and I'm delighted to be here with you. And I want to share, I have a very dear friend of mine today. Miguel de Jesus and I have to say he is wonderful his bio is amazing and yet one thing that I would like to share with you about him is he's very humble down to earth despite all of his achievements so welcome Miguel.
4: Hi Divya I am so happy to be with you and your listeners this evening and looking forward to an engaging conversation.
3: Yeah, too. So Miguel is a highly accomplished, results-oriented C-level leader with more than 20 years' experience, leading business management, global sales marketing, with two Fortune 500 companies, a leader in running a 180 million sales organization as VP, sales, and most currently providing leadership and sales training to professionals as a leadership consultant and coach. He is a digital marketing professional helping business leaders, authors, speakers, coaches, and other professionals to improve their marketing efforts to gain more visitors, leads, and client conversions. As a keynote speaker and transformational change agent, Miguel brings his insights and wisdom to public and corporate audiences. His books, Success Leaves Clues. And so, what do you do? are in release as of November 15, 2013. And they are available on Amazon. His most recent book, Let Your Emotional Intelligence Do the Talking, is available in both Kindle and paperback version on Amazon. And his guiding statement is, struggle is optional and success is a choice. So when we talk about this, Miguel, let's visit your childhood. When you were a child, tell us, did you have any guiding principle back then, as early as maybe you might have been five, six years old or even nine, ten years old?
4: Well, uh, the, those guiding principles are probably... Uh, uh, um, um, guided and provided by my parents at the time. So I grew up in the city of New York, on um, the Lower East Side. For those of you familiar with New York City, there are five boroughs in the city. Uh, those of us who tend to be a little more snobbish refer to only Manhattan as being New York City. All of the other <laughs> boroughs, all of the other boroughs are, are interesting boroughs. So I grew up um, uh, early in my childhood. We lived on 110th Street and Lexington Avenue, which was uh, back then uh, um, basically tenements and from the ni- 1890s and 1900s. So it, it was an interesting uh, childhood, and um, um, I would probably uh, focus that the, the, the strength— uh, came primarily from my mom uh, back in the day and um, both parents um, really uh, I- inculcated the significance and the importance of, of uh, learning of uh, doing well um, regardless of financial condition because we were certainly not poor, I mean not rich, we were considered uh, uh, below the poverty line even by those standards back then and we lived, uh, my brother and I lived in family, uh, lived in public housing uh, on the Lower East Side of New York. Um, and from those early experiences, uh, we learned a lot of things. Um, first of all, it was a densely populated, for your listeners who have been to New York City, there are a lot of people in New York City. And uh, housing density is very tight. Um we probably had in one of the buildings that i I lived in our family lived in, there were probably no fewer than about oh three hundred individuals in one building. Uh, that's a lot of families, that's a lot of people. So we learned at an early age that that uh, communications expression, learning about other things, other people, other environments. Uh, were important to our development, and, and those those are our guiding principles that served uh, us well, uh, my brother and I, as we were growing up. Um, uh, th- those are some of the more formative uh, years uh, that uh, we were involved. I was also involved uh, fairly uh, regularly with um, uh, instrumentation, so I was a musician, uh, at an early age, learned how to probably play the trumpet at age in the third grade rather, and uh, played uh, trumpet and music and and sang. Used the vocal cords uh, probably until I was about in my uh, early twenties. Um, those are the, those are some of the uh, exciting things that I recall from from our childhood.
3: Mm, those are some very powerful stories, and then you talk about. That both of your parents inculcated good values. So when you go back to your childhood, what would you say were your top two values that your parents taught you that helped you live in the situations where you lived? Because I'm assuming that, you know, life was not as easy living in a crowded Manhattan
4: That's true. Um, So uh, two of the guiding principles, I think, that served us well. One was to uh, live in integrity and in faith, um, uh, look towards the future, remain hopeful, remain positive, uh, despite either the surroundings or the circumstances, and um, to be um, respectful and polite uh two characteristics that by today's standards are probably missing in most families and in most circumstances and in, and in most communities. Uh, we have learned the uh, we have we have forgotten or maybe never learned the um, uh, principle the guiding principle of being respectful and uh, especially honoring seniors. Uh, it was unthinkable when we were growing up that you'd ever, have either a crossed eye or a bad word to anybody who was senior to you. Uh, And it didn't matter whether it was family or not. It just didn't, it's not the way we were raised back then. So those are some family values that I think in our current um, uh, development of our young people could probably be revisited uh, or uh, taught at an earlier age, um, since it's something that I think uh, contributes to, Adds to and actually inspires better communications, more communications, and a respect for differences of opinion.
3: Hmm. Very true. So that said, you know, do you recall any time crossing your mom and dad, or being disrespectful, or having playful fights with your brother, and what were the consequences?
4: oh sure well i remember them vividly because uh the first one having a crossword with your parents did not occur often and did not (laughs) occur at, at all if you wanted to survive under the household um and what i mean by survive is it just just didn't happen i mean corporal punishment back then was a lot different than it is today and there were consequences to inappropriate uh and disrespectful behavior by today's standards uh, our students are, are, and our children are allowed much, m- far too many uh, disciplines or, or lack of discipline in certain areas. And, you, you know, I remember with both my mom and, and my dad, you know, if they gave you the look, you know, the look. <laughs> 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 you just you just froze in your tracks and stopped doing whatever it was that they were gazing at you about. Um mm. Uh, I, totally different than some parents. I don't, and I don't mean to describe them all that way. But, but in today's society, there is a, a large line of 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 uh, patience and um, what's the word? I'm looking for patience and untethered behavior that is allowed for some of our young people that, that as they age and mature are going to be problems for them in this society or in any society.
3: Mm. So we have got a couple of questions from our audience. One of the questions is, do you think things have changed for the better since then?
4: I I don't know that it's better or worse. Change is one of those immutable laws that are going to happen from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, it is inevitable. You cannot stop uh, change. What we hope for and plan for the most is that the change will be both transformational and will provide us with learning lessons that will make us better people, uh, I think, in the society and in our communities. So I, I don't look at, change as being good or bad i view it as a thing that's going to happen it becomes good or bad to us as individuals if we are not prepared for it if we are unfocused perhaps undisciplined and more importantly unskilled in how to accept uh how to pay attention and how to lean into that change which in most cases are going to provide a level of discomfort. Uh, Well, let me explain where that discomfort comes from. It comes from a fear of the unknown and a fear that we are all that we can possibly be to uh, adapt to that change. So while change is inevitable, it is neither good nor bad. It does provide, however, to us as humans, as people who are evolving, certain levels of stress, certain levels of sometimes confusion and it certainly highlights our gaps in the mastery of certain skills which is why I'm a big proponent of paying attention to to your gaps uh, in knowledge and seek out coaches and mentors that can be of service to you that was a long-winded answer to say that change is inevitable And it is helpful for each of us as individuals, as leaders, as family members to be prepared for it.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: No, great point, Miguel, because as you say, change is inevitable. Just by the fact that, you know, let's take a look at we used to have industrial age where people would be line workers. And from there, we have moved into informational age, where informational age is so fast where technology is outpacing human evolution and what is happening is as you very correctly mentioned that change is happening the change is complex and at the same token complexity of our brain has not developed to such an extent that we can meet the complexity of changes in our environment in our behaviors in our technology and then this gap that you so rightfully speak of is there. That gap is existing and the key is to develop skills, develop competencies, developing those inner resilience to meet them, to face them at not only at face level but internal level and to bring those resiliencies and soft skills into the community itself. So really it's a true thing what you're saying now, as we continue your journey, you mentioned that you, know, you grew up with discipline, you grew up with respect and politeness towards seniors, and it's really such a cool part of having that as something growing up. Now, when, let's look at it from a Z generation perspective. At the same token, then sometimes what used to happen was that if there was so much respect, there would be fear of speaking up or standing up for yourself. Did you face that?
4: Uh, not really, because of the environment where we grew up in uh, New York City. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was it was outside of the you know the entranceway to our uh, apartment. Uh, there was that big, mean uh, city <laughs> known as New York City, <laughs> and and you either stepped up or you you became quite an introvert uh, and and had some difficulties surviving in in somewhat of a of a challenging environment. And I will submit to you that the environment itself forces, uh, or at least New York City, forces you to be um, uh, somewhat of an extrovert, somewhat. Uh, uh, inquisitive Uh, we were always inquisitive and um we asked more questions than we had answers to and all of that was very healthy to help us be um uh inquisitive but also um cautious if that makes any sense uh inquisitive and lunging into things without um uh, proper due diligence and asking the right questions and at least being introspective first before you become uh, uh, an individual that acts on those impulses and behaviors were certainly things that were very important uh, uh, during our, our environmental upbringing. And I think that's, that's important. So while, while discipline, respectfulness, um, good communications, politeness were all expected uh, certainly within family. Uh, once we were um, in the uh, environment, um, uh, we certainly were guided by all those principles, but we were what we called back then street smart. And I think I think that's the term that's still currently used. you got to be street smart uh, in major metropolitan areas. Otherwise, uh, you will be very quickly... Um, I guess the term would be taken advantage of, uh, not only by the environment, but, but occasionally by people in those uh, types of situations. So you have to develop a strong sense of courage, a strong sense of inquisitiveness, a strong sense of of being, uh, of being purposeful, and of paying attention to your environment.
3: Mm-hmm. No, that definitely makes sense is paying attention to environment because environment shape us societal events shape us so for example if we go to even you know presence of music different types of musics and different generations shapes their speeches and thinking so as we are talking about it it's important to be so resilient and having those leadership qualities that allows you to adjust and adapt to different environments that you're going through So as you moved through your high school and college, did you know what subject you were going to go for in college or how did you figure out what was it that you were interested in?
4: Yeah, I was I was so so inquisitive um, and lacked. Lacked uh, the business exposure, lacked mentorship, lacked coaches, lacked uh, experience in anything related to business. But, but one thing that I did know at an early age uh, that I was going to be was going to be successful. So first I defined for myself and paid attention, uh, was inquisitive to success as it was defined or, or as I found it. In, in the marketplace of ideas and the marketplaces of business. So at a relatively uh, early age, uh, I uh, uh, was an entrepreneur, uh, which is something that you don't know about me. Uh, I owned a retail store, me and t- two other people in New York City, 69th Street to 70th Street uh, in Broadway. And um, so I learned about a lot about the retail trade. I learned a lot about uh, people ongoing. And I learned a lot about uh, how to run, start, run, and grow a business. And um, so did I know that I would be in the retail trade? No. Did I know I was going to be successful? Yes. Because I always had the confidence instilled not only in what I did, but basically instilled by my parents that you could be, do, and have anything that you want in this society – Uh, because we are not shackled by our past, but but have a wide berth in terms of a bright future to the degree that we are prepared, to the degree that we um, associate with the right people and the right principles. So I was never at all um, concerned that I would not meet with success. Now, what I didn't say is that everything that I touch turned to gold because that is not true. Anybody that says that the straightest path to success is a straight line is also probably not being forthright and truthful with you because I haven't met a lot of people like that. In fact, most of the people that I've met who are successful have had setbacks and challenges and uh, opportunities along the way that have caused them to become better at the things they needed to learn and develop mastery around the things that have led to to ongoing success so my trajectory towards success has always been clear the focus has been clear what i was unclear about was what path would take me to that quote unquote definition of success uh, uh, and and having grown up with with very few resources um, success to me uh, originally meant having a consistent income stream to pay the bills. Um, it is that kind of focus and surrounding myself with people smarter than I was that I think helped uh, me and my family stay focused and committed to growth and committed to that success journey. Um and by example, I'll just share with you, And you know, I changed my major once in college. That set me back at least uh, six months in my graduation. Uh, I started out as an accounting major, uh, got an intern over the summer at uh, an accounting firm in New York City, did not like the internship. No, the internship was great. It actually forced me to experience what the accounting profession was going to be. And I decided that that's not what I wanted to do going forward. So I changed my major went from an accounting major to a political science major, because then I thought I was going on to be a lawyer. And then I graduated from college and found out the cost of law school and the additional three years of law school. So I took a different route. I began an MBA program because it was only two years instead of three years. Um, So I was always driven by calculated decisions on on return on investment the old roi and the way i defined roi was what what is the quickest way to for me to achieve quote-unquote success or that degree or that pedigree or that mastery so that i can begin to my journey towards making an impact and making a difference Um, so so to go back to an earlier point anyone that tells you that their trajectory uh, to success was a straight line is uh is being untruthful and would probably lie about other things
3: Mm -hmm. definitely makes sense and i'm going to take us back to a couple of questions because a couple of questions have come from our audiences and one of the question is do you think it would help if others knew about corporal punishment
4: Can you repeat that uh, a little bit one more time, please? Sure. Uh,
3: The question is, do you think it would help if others knew about corporal punishment? And I'm assuming as to people now.
4: I I think from a historical perspective, corporal punishment would be a lesson that would be of value to everyone. Uh, By today's 21st century standards, corporal punishment in many countries, including the U.S., is frowned upon and is something that um, could get parents in trouble. Um, So while I don't um, languish in revisiting the notion of corporal punishment, that was the world in which uh, we, many of us grew up in who are still on the planet. So... uh, um, (laughs) corporal punishment uh, can get you in a lot of trouble these days because there are laws in many states and many municipalities against uh, disciplining your children and the reason for that and by the way let me make let me make the other argument that that there are parents who were abused and and challenged inappropriately during their youth and they were really never properly trained on how to be nurturing parents so if in fact discipline is important for growth which i believe it is equally as important is the education of those parents on how to be nurturing successful parents themselves and i don't see enough of that kind of training available to parents in fact there's very little people think that um you know you find the love of your life you get married and you live happy happily ever after well the divorce rates in in the united states would would not support that statement uh, and that's probably because we don't spend enough time courting each other, getting to know each other. Uh, and, and here's a, here's a great uh, uh, promotion for uh, assessments. I think every couple that chooses to uh, be together in marriage and forever after should uh, get counseling, should get coaching, and should get um, tested Using the variety of tools, personality profiling tools that are available for them to develop their own plans on how they're going to discuss things like finances. How are you going to treat each other when you, in fact, have a disagreement? How do those things get surfaced? So I think, I think uh, while the notion of corporal punishment, studying it from the standpoint of, of history is important and would be a great discussion, I don't think in, in the 21st century it's going to get a lot of followership uh, moving forward. So, I-
0: Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development online, in person, individually or groups. It's training that's measurably better.
4: So I definitely encourage people getting uh, individual personality profiles and getting coaching and mentorship from people who they uh, tap into for that kind of guidance.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think so. I'm not sure if you've heard it or not, but uh, some of the states is bringing corporal punishment back. And one of our listeners is saying that bringing it back. Do you have any thoughts on that?
4: Um, I really don't, I haven't thought about it much. I would think if a state is bringing it back, a specific state in the United States, that they should also be providing training.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I don't, I, I don't think, uh, return to corporal punishment without appropriate guidance, training and assessments of those parents, uh, would be very effective in the long term. Uh, it could contribute to, uh, poten- the potential for abuse And um, unfortunate types of things occurring. Look, there there was a family of 13 young people in San Bernardino, California, that were living with their parents. Those children were abused from birth. All 13 of them. Um, That should never happen. Um, not only in America, but certainly it's a, it's a, it, could, it could be a worldwide issue. But I think I think those parents uh, are, from a mental health perspective need serious help. And now on an ongoing basis, those 13 children ranging in ages from 5 to, I think, uh, 20 are going to need long-term treatment and mental health care in order to get them readjusted to society. I mean, among the things that were, were were uh, they were allowed to live under it's unbelievable I, I, uh, something as, as that you and I take for granted that we do every day like taking a shower they were denied showers for a year at a time how, how does that happen? so mm-hmm. returning, returning to corporal punishment has some downsides has some upsides but I think it needs to be implemented very carefully very appropriately and monitored by someone Uh, somewhere to make sure it's properly uh, implemented.
3: Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And I think so we may have a few teachers and a few parents in our audience. And Miguel, as you suggested, it's important to have proper guidance, proper training in our school systems. And this is something that should be taught in school as to how can you build those relationships, and how can you look at these perspectives because every child is different
1: mm-hmm. so few
3: few other questions that are pouring in is one of the question is, do you think we have value system in place nowadays
4: the That's a big question and there isn't enough time that we have together to to, to even broach the subject. But I will say this. I think a return to a family unit would be significant in many communities to have um, that be a healthy environment mm-hmm. from a mental health standpoint, also from a, me- a financial standpoint. Now, I, re- I realize and, and know and acknowledge that there are a lot of single parents out there. Um, and single parents need help and single parents need coaching and single parents need support and they need a network and they need a number of things in this busy life that we lead. So from the standpoint of, of uh, um, a two-family household, I mean a two-person family, that has one set of circumstances and solutions that are different for a single pa- family uh, situation. And um, look, I can relate to to that because I've met a, a number of people who have been uh, single parent uh, uh, families. And it is not a simple thing. I mean, when you are holding a full-time job and also wanting to be a full-time parent, and being the best parent that you can be, well, where do you get support? That's why I'm a big supporter of organizations at both the community level and certainly um, businesses that provide um, support through various programs to those communities, those people who need that kind of support. Um, you know, I have coached, uh, well, a little bit of my history. I played Division Three basketball. So I played for a, a college in New York City called Long Island University, Brooklyn campus. So I played Division Three basketball. And I took those skills and used those to not only train, develop, and teach my children how to master basketball at an early age to the point where uh, my daughter received a Division One scholarship to play college, to play basketball at the college level, um, but, but, the skills that I trained them on and taught them along the way were skills that I developed. So I think, I think the lesson or the sensitivity that I would recommend that everybody hold in your audience is you can, you can teach everything that you've got mastery in and, and expertise in to just about anybody in your community. You just have to go reach out and find out where those organizations are. And you can either volunteer if you've got the time or you can solicit uh, assistance and support by um, adding yourself to whatever lists they've got to whatever email list they've got for to make you available of, of the programs that are out there. You know, you've got you, you they, they span the entire range from from, you know, uh, Girl Scouts to Boy Scouts to to um, non-denominational organizations to denominational organizations there are plenty of organizations out there i for example volunteer in three organizations Uh, one one is uh, junior achievement which is an awesome organization working with high school students and teaching them uh subjects that they ordinarily wouldn't get and um and i also uh am a rotarian so i volunteer with the rotary organization in my community uh, to work with through Helping Hands organization, which is a senior-oriented organization. Um, so there are plenty organizations out there in your communities. Uh, a quick Google search or Yahoo search will show you where they are. Um, and, and all you've got to do is reach out, become a member of the community, ask for help where appropriate and where necessary, uh, because it's all out there. Um, uh, Devia and 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 I've got to say to you, I I, I they, we don't lack for resources. What we lack for is focus and um, the wish, the desires to go out and network with people. You know, I meet a lot of people. Some of them are, are introverts, and they have difficulty networking. They have difficulty expressing themselves. Well, I've got news for those people. You can be taught how to be a little bit easier on yourself and learn the the skills of networking, the skills of communication, the skills of asking. See, one of the things that, that gets in our way, and I know I'm deviating just a little bit, but this is an important part of the conversation, and it's got to do with ego. So how do you self-assess yourself from an, from an ego standpoint? Because we all have ego. Uh, e- the ego is not absent from any of us, but many of us or some of us have learned how to uh, tame that, that thing called ego and use it appropriately and use it to, um, uh, as a launching pin for our goals and objectives without hurting other people. It is that skill that is important, that is teachable and learnable by each one of us. I will tell you that I, I have trained a lot of people. I've worked with a lot of people. I work with, uh, transitioning people in the military. Uh, Navy SEALs and special operators. These are some very skilled people. Now, do they need strong egos to perform their primary duties and roles? Of course they do. But they also have learned how to tame their uh, egos um, once they transition into the private commercial sector. Um, and, And I just marvel at how... Easily, relatively easily. I didn't say simple, but relatively easy it is to transition your thinking once your belief systems get changed. So, so, So your beliefs will affect your thinking, which will then affect your actions, which will then affect your results. It's very predictable. So to the degree that you're being fed great stuff in your belief systems... You will ultimately become all that you want to be and all that you can become to be of service to others, if that's your goal. Long answer. Complicated <laughs> question. <laughs> well,
3: uh, some of these are burning questions, right? And listeners, I want to make sure that I'm addressing your question. So based on what Miguel has answered, yes, family units can be different. It can be single unit families. It can be double unit families. It can be made of two people who are of same sex. It could be just two friends. It could be anybody family comes in different forms and fashions. So that's one of the things and he has addressed also the questions. How can relationships be made better? It's, It's about changing your beliefs and believing in yourself and going after those values and seeking out help when necessary and you guys are absolutely right that you know it's not within us to judge anybody else and yet at the same time it is our choice if we want to improve if we want to impart values to next generation and as you talked about Miguel it's so important to give back i mentor a lot of kids who do not have as many opportunities as most of the kids. So currently I'm mentoring a robotic team and this generation is amazingly so different from millennial generation. And of course, you know, every generation is different from the next generation generation. And yet, at the same time, they have such beautiful qualities that if we were to keep our minds open and see, I have learned so much from this younger generation. And at the same time, teaching them to be open to learning from others. And it's this exchange of information, this exchange of love and giving back enriches both generations and what we are talking about is does not come from any religion and if we were to talk about religion it would be a religion of humanity knowing miguel that's what i would say
4: yeah i love that i love that that's uh, i i think i think uh um if everyone just reflected and became introspective uh for a while or they journaled uh, their beliefs and their notions and their experiences and, and just just made significant notations on the key things that affect them, from mood, uh, swings to to why why are you feeling the way you are. See the, the, the proverbial question that most people are unskilled at answering, but all have the capability of asking is why? why <laughs> and and it, it, that doesn't cost you anything we all start with why i mean every you know the, to your listeners if you reflect back when you were a child what do children do very well and
3: Hmm. curiosity questions
4: curiosity curiosity they're always asking why and parents are telling them because <laughs> they don't <laughs> they get, they get, they, get tr- they get tired of having to explain the why all right I mean that happens to everyone that's normal but but it is that very inquisitive nature that as we begin with young people with children with with toddlers in training and developing them if we ask if we as parents created an environment, that encouraged, that nurtured answering the why, I think children would be would evolve differently as opposed to because I said so, because I'm your parent. See, those are limited responses um, that are caused by a lack of both education and training in order to nurture inquisitiveness in young people. That that's what the system eventually takes away from our young people that notion of inquisitive that, that, that notion of asking why um, and, and 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 now i'm gonna th- throw out for you for, for you and your audience perhaps a, 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 a here's a controversial notion see because i'm a firm believer i teach on emotional intelligence so i am going to submit to you and your audience that there is more overlap than there are differences among all generations among why and boomers they are more similar than dissimilar Now, i didn't say 100 percent overlap and that's where the marketers the great marketers that we have out there have created all these differences by age of people in different categories well i am going to submit to you that i think there are more similarities than there are differences and mm. if you think about it long enough you will probably agree with me doesn't everyone doesn't everyone want respect
3: absolutely
4: and everyone wants to be heard
3: and everybody wants recognition everybody wants love so that has those age-old desires and human beings hasn't changed and that's why i always refer our religion to be as a religion of humanity, where you're passing love, where you're working together, where you're being part of a community, being part of family. These have not changed.
4: I, I love your your uh, your theme, uh, religion of humanity, uh, because it it has to do with with people um, uh, are, are the guiding principles under which every religion is built. Uh, Are there more similarities than dissimilarities? I think there are. Um, But sometimes because of marketing and because of world events and things that are not so nice, things get perverted. And it is that perversion that we need to be conscious of and be aware of as adults in the room to make sure that we are sifting through it and and identifying the, the wisdom. Uh, that comes from those experiences.
3: Mm-hmm. And as we continue our conversation around these things, one of other questions that has come up is, do you find the next generations are getting better or worse? And again, I know what you're going to say, but I'm still going to invite you to share. <laughs>
4: <laughs> See, that's, a too, that's too broad of a question. Better or worse than what? Um, that, that's a, that's a relationship question. Um, uh, from a logic standpoint, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, and I realize that our format doesn't allow me to dig deeper from a Socratic standpoint to ask for the questions. But if in fact, if in fact, um, the generations are the same and, 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 and this is what I'm going to say. There are more similarities and dissimilarities among generations. So I don't buy into as an individual, the notion that we are that different or that far apart, because we're not. I look for commonness. I look for common ground. I look for agreement. I look for sameness as opposed to differences. Now, are there going to be differences? Of course. Let me give you one difference that just jumps out at you, and you're going to say, well, that's obvious. Well, here's one. Boomers generally, by definition, although they're beginning to fake me out, do not adopt to technology as quick as the younger generations, millennials and, <laughs> and, and earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I think most, most of us on this call would probably agree with that. Oh, so, yeah. so is that a difference that separates us? No, it's just a difference. It can also serve to unite us if, in fact, we choose to go down that route of thinking. And I prefer to think that it can unite us and not separate us. Oh, Sure. Are there some older people, seniors, boomers? I, I, even talk, I haven't even talked about the silent generation that were ahead of the boomers. All right. Um, look, those designations and separate, I, I wish I could, I, I wish I made a dollar for every uh, one who thinks that we're so much different than we are same. I, as I said, I'm a big proponent that we are, we have overlap and we are more similar than we are dissimilar. But I just gave you an example, which I will buy very quickly, that there's a difference in the use of technology and adoption of technology. No question about it. Why? Because the older, the longer we've been on the planet, the more hardwired we are. Our neurons are hard, hard hardwired to think a certain way to break that pattern and introduce new thoughts and ideas is very difficult for people who are older in age very difficult and then there are certain things that they just we you know senior people just can't do physiologically if we if we started looking about the physiology of young people versus older people so there are certain limitations that are barriers no question about it um but but even even in the united states those barriers that, uh, let, me, let me take one barrier. So is gender a barrier? Could gender be a, a barrier to people performing certain jobs? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Of course. It has to be a barrier. Uh, physiologically, we're built differently. There are certain things that a woman would have ease or could do, perform and and act certain job duties differently than a man now notice i didn't say better or worse i just said different um are there are there barriers physiologically to potentially in firefighting for a female firefighter to carry all that heavy gear of course that's an obstacle now that's not in that in my view that doesn't eliminate Women from wanting to seek that as a profession, but they're going to have to, they're gonna have to uh, surpass the same requirements that a male would. So you're still going to have to carry a very heavy hose, some very heavy axes, and, and you're going to do it. And by the way, uh, you've seen an increase, or I've seen in my generation for sure, an increase in, in women firefighters. And I applaud that. I think that's great. If, if, if you can, in fact, do the same jobs, you, you should be eligible for the same type of opportunity. Um, so so I, I offer that just an idea as a thought starter for, for your audience that uh, what we used to consider barriers, I think we ought to start in a neutral position in our thinking. And, and as opposed to saying you can't, why don't we just say you can now prove it to me now show me how you can perform these different duties if in fact you um were accepted for a particular job now be a firefighter uh be a police officer uh running an obstacle course i mean there are things i can't do physiologically i just can't do them anymore if i'm in my 20s i'd be able to do them um does that make sense
3: oh it definitely makes sense and This is great. So, Miguel, if our lovely audience wanted to get in touch with you, how would they get in touch with you?
4: Great question. You can communicate to me in a variety of ways. First of all, my website is uh, coachmiguel.com, www.coachmiguel.com. You can visit me on my site there. And um, you can also feel free to um, uh, give me a call. You may go, or you probably will go to my voicemail, but that's fine. But I can also be reached by telephone at area code 760-438-9907, 760-438-9907. And I'd be happy to have uh, a further dialogue with anyone who's interested in, in um, perceptively uh, taking a look at some of the challenges we face today, because we face many. But the good news is there are solutions there are skills, there are programs, there are training uh, available to just about anybody who reaches out to them. You know, one of my greatest uh, allies, because they don't they don't ask for a wage and they work overtime and they're never sick, is Google. Uh, my my researcher Google uh, works perfectly, and um, I'm sure your listeners have used Google in the past. I just love that as a tool. I can get just about any answer on the planet on anything, uh, mm-hmm. and I. love and I love the Google Alerts, uh, uh, alerts.google.com. You can get in your inbox, once you put in the proper code, uh, the proper um, search terms, uh, you can get in your inbox. And I've got about 25 Google Alerts that I get in my inbox every morning if there's news in any particular area. Uh, so in the, in the world of, of personal development, staying on top of trends and events and yep. new ideas. That is a great tool.
3: That is a great tool, and uh, could you share your gift very quickly? Because we are nearing to the end of show, we're very close to it. So,
4: Um, from the standpoint of, uh, I think it's book number three. So, I've got uh, book number three that I can make available to your listeners that speaks to the uh, area of emotional intelligence called let your emotional intelligence is talking. And I provide 17 tools, techniques and approaches to um, uh, improving your emotional intelligence. Now you, you just cannot improve emotional intelligence by, by reading the book. Although there's 17 ideas that I have in the book, Uh, I can make that to your uh, listeners. uh, And I can, I'll have to send you uh, a, a link uh and perhaps unless i already give it did i did i give you the link already or no yes you gave
3: me the link and uh yes and listeners what i'm going to do is i'm going to share it with you in chat and we are you will see in chat in a minute and uh, you should be able to see that and you can go get miguel's book right there and we're nearing to the close of the show Thank you so much, Miguel, for joining us and giving us your insights. And thank you, listeners, for joining us, because without you, show would not be possible. And thank you, Rebel. Thank you, everyone. And be brilliant. Take care until next time.
2: Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who've experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.diviapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at We look forward to you joining us next week,
0: Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time.
2: 18 plus.